All right. Okay. Hello, Anthony. What's up, Maddie? Welcome back to P4P, P4 Peers, the show we rate and review paranormal-themed film and television, uh, basking in the warm sunshine of last week's wonderful episode. We heard from some Evil Dead fans, Tony, who think we did an okay job with the franchise. I'll get to that in a second. Um, tonight, we have another of our... Anthony brings us to film school, uh, 1931. We also have a top three based on tonight's movie. Tonight's movie is called No One Will Save You. I want to say up front, Tony, before we get too far down the road, uh, I don't think it's a worthy conversation to talk about this film without some spoiler alerts, because this is the type of movie that uh, I think the whole design of it, in a sense, is to have the conversation that I want to have tonight. That is, what does the ending mean? What happened? Uh, what is this movie all about? I think we need to have those conversations. So uh, just full warning, if you haven't seen the movie, I think Tony and I both agree it would be much better to go watch it before you listen to the end of our conversation. Because I do want to talk about the ending. I'm dying to know what you think happened, Tony. So uh, just pause it at a certain point. We'll say spoiler alert. Um, and if you don't care and just like listening to us, you don't care that you've seen the movie or not, then go ahead and listen freely. And that's my little do, announcement. Do what you want to do, obviously. But I think that's a good warning because I agree. We can't we can't really talk about this at all without getting into stuff that's that's truly spoilery. Uh, I mean, that's uh, it's just the way it is. It would be like trying to do like Sixth Sense and not get into the ending. It's like like the even, whole this... even more so. Yeah, yeah, even more so. Yeah, that's true. I I, I think in this this case you're exactly right. Uh, but how have you been since last week? Well, everything's good. Quiet Thanksgiving time with my mom and some <laughs> oh. friends and. That sounds um, awesome. I mean, that's what Thanksgiving's all about, isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, just relaxing and counting your blessings and um, and maybe watching some family dis dysfunction. Sorry. What? Mm -hmm. Both went really weird directions there. Um, I do want to make an apology uh, oh. to everybody. This is a correction, um, a Tony correction. No, it's not a correction. Although I, I every every single episode, there are <laughs> twenty things that I don't even need reminding. I'm like, oh my god, did I yes. do that? Did I say that? Mm -hmm. But um apologies for the for the lack of technical acumen on my end in terms of recording for a while um due to reworking my office and getting new gear and not having other software and stuff i've sounded like i've been recording in a port authority bathroom and i i apologize for that <laughs> tried to make some adjustments got a new system my good old mic is back in working order and i i just think this will make a more pleasing listening experience for people you know, there's an old saying in the golf world that is, if you want to golf, don't work in the golf industry. People make that mistake all the time because they think, oh, I'm going to work in golf. The problem is then you're working when everybody else is golfing. And I think the same is true with being a filmmaker. Uh, probably don't do a film review podcast while you're trying to make a movie. It's not advised, I guess, although it's great to take a break from the movie you know, editing because I've been editing pretty hardcore for the last few weeks, and it's um it's exhausting, and it's nice to take a break. Even but if this is why it's... partly your computer system messed up because you're literally using your computer system to edit yeah. a film that you made, and and yes, you know. and it's a new computer, and yeah. I didn't I didn't want to frankly sully it with any uh, third party software until I absolutely had to had some stuff figured out. Anyway, I, here we are, sounding better. Glad about that. Apologies for the yes. prior uh, uh, ugly sound. 
No. The dulcet tones of your voice could be coming through a paper cup with a string on the end of it, Tony, and, and we're here for it. That's what I had the money for. We used to call your throat the moneymaker at Buckwald. Don't talk about my throat. Especially vis-a-vis making money? Don't talk about me at all now. Um, let's get into the meat of the episode. Stop let's it. Let's talk about meat in relation to your throat. Stop it. Just go on. Continue. I have loved ones to listen to this on occasion. What's your favorite meat? I'm serious. <laughs> like, I'm not. If you had to pick a meat, like, are you a sausage guy? Oh, my are God. Are you like a hot dog? You got to do better, honestly. No, I mean, if I'm you're going serious. there. I'm serious. Uh, because with Thanksgiving, I'm wondering. My yeah, like meat. Uh, yeah, like, okay. Well, well sausage meat. isn't a meat. Uh, <laughs> so it's it's a it's not really technically a meat. Um, it is. It's a hodgepodge of meats. Well, I mean, if I'm going to go there, I guess, uh, I guess I'd have to say a really nice New York strip steak is oh, kind of like, yeah, to me, uh, yeah, pretty fantastic. I can tell you my favorite meat in a film, and it's in your film, in introduction to the Schnelling, uh, three thousand, the Schnelling three thousand. Yeah, there's a scene where a man eats a hot dog very slowly. And it's probably my favorite tubed meat in film history. Not probably, it is. It's one of the greatest scenes in cinematic history. Very proud of it. To I, this day, probably the the single most, um, uh, the prob- probably the proudest moment I have. No kidding. Like if I'm in a bad mood, I'll I'll find that and watch it and just die <laughs> laughing. It's so brilliant. Oh, my dear friend uh, Dan McNally, uh, <sighs> who acted in that scene, went above and beyond what any other actor I know would have done for the cause he does a little glance at the camera in uh, between so, bites and it's it's just he's so it's cheeky one the, it's one of the greatest things ever um yeah i love a good hot dog i love a good sausage i i have this thing where i like it really well done though if i make a hot dog on the grill it's got to be burnt it's a okay. weird thing with me like like know, charred, charred on the outside pretty much okay. yeah burnt all the way through is there i mean like no no just like a nice yeah. crisp i like a snap on, I like on, that. It's like a camping hot dog. Like yeah, one you'd yes. stick on a stick and then put it in the fire. But then again, I'm not adverse to a boiled hot dog either with the warm, soft, you know, bun. I, I, I guess I, I just like hot dogs. I, I do. I do too. I'm vague, still vaguely uncomfortable about this you should conversation. Be. You know, it's great. I'm treading on very dangerous ground here, but you know what is great? The late night drunken hot sausage with mustard on a city street. Well, listen, I mean, okay. Back in the day, mm-hmm. we, the crew, the lads, would mm-hmm. generally end the night at, uh, mm-hmm. at Grey's Papaya, which is a famous New York hot dog. One of the cornerstones of, of good stuff street food here in New York. And man, Grey's Papaya dogs. I don't know if the, I haven't been to one in a long time. I haven't done that in a while. Huh. But post-drinking, like yeah. three in the morning hot dog, right. please. Best me. Th- those were the golden days of your throat work. Um, yeah, I could do, I could do that. I could do the dog in two bites. It was, let's it was go. terrifying. Uh, let's go. What people want to hear about on the show. All right. Our, meat eating. Our top three tonight, based on a great kill in this movie, a great alien kill is top three alien kills of all time. We will get to, again, spoiler alerts abound coming up with No One Will Save You. But for now, it's time to hear from you. You're a godsend. A savior. No, I'm, I'm just 
the postman. The P4P mailbag. Kevin said you guys hit on everything good about that movie. It made me appreciate it more, which is so great to hear. Fantastic. I heard from Dan Shatner, Puppy Bowl ref, friend of show. Still mad he hasn't been included on uh, any time we have an animal on a film. And I'm trying to think now if Evil Dead Rise had an animal. I think we dodged a bullet there. I don't think so. Uh, and Dan said that uh, Dan actually watched one of the movies from 1930 that you reviewed because he was so intrigued by your review of it. Oh, really? Oh, no yes. kidding. Yes. So I'd love said to hear that. Trippy and weird and awesome. Would have never known about except except Neat. for you. So thank you for that. Oh, that's really cool. Okay, good. Uh, uh, Kerrig on Facebook. Our uh, producer extraordinaire, Kerrig, honorary producer. He said, are there actual show notes anywhere that list the three movies Tony is talking about and where they can be seen? And uh, our social person replied, Kerrig, if we were a credibly run podcast, there would be. <laughs> yeah. Well stated. Well put. Official response from the show. That's why we pay that person. Kerrig, it's embarrassing. It's terrible. This should happen. And I understand that's not a rhetorical question, but it's also not really a question it's a kind of a reprimand. And I, yeah. I, and I take it. it as such duly noted, duly noted. We deserved it. We heard from Robin. She agreed with us that at the beginning, she actually shut it off the first time she attempted to watch it, thinking what we did, like, uh, I don't have time for this teen summer camp movie. Right. And then because of our review, went back and watched it, loved it. And she had a really smart observation. Amazing that there was never really a safe moment, like no water cooler investigating moments never a few minutes of safety. It just kept going like relentless. And I thought that was a great observation. Absolutely. Yeah. That's so uh, keep those comments coming. Please. We, that's a huge thrill for us when people actually watch movies because we talked about it. Like that's kind of the whole goal here. That really game. is. That's very cool. That's mm -hmm. really cool. I mean, it, it's not like thought through, but it's just so nice that the conversation can spill over into other people wanting to check out different stuff. It's great. And I feel like people are being too nice too. Like, uh, I want to hear from more of you who think we got things wrong every once in a while. We used to get that. We used to get that. Like, you know, the whole meat recap. Someone could be more of a, uh, you know, a, a cut meat person, not so much a tube meat person. We want to hear from you. Um, or if you think one of our movie reviews is way off base, let us hear from you. You know, we're not above a uh, little. Okay. Uh, you tell Maddie about it. I don't need to hear. I get enough bad reviews in other parts of my life. And now Tony takes us to the movies this week. I don't have like a good lead in like you do. Like you said the same thing every time we do a show and I don't have any style. I have no street cred like that at all. So I just kind of stumble into this stuff, which is, I guess, my weird style. Anyway, 1931. You've got that voice. Were people really, like, making a lot of fantasy movies in 31? Well, they weren't really making that many movies in 31. Why? Right. They were making movies, but there weren't as many movies being made. Vietnam? The Vietnam War was, what was, going was on in raging in 1931. Civil War? As Maddie was so uh, wise to, uh, to mention. And it was difficult to produce that many films. Um, no, they were making a lot of movies, but sure. by today's standards, you know, there weren't this many outlets and studios and people doing it. Uh, so, you know, today you'd probably maybe have 30 films that were paranormal every year or more. Who knows? Maybe hundreds. Mm. And back then you didn't really have hundreds and hundreds of movies coming out every year. Even you just had, you know, your your parcel of of films silent or otherwise um 
so finding the paranormal ones is kind of easy. My top one got to be Dracula. Oh, wow. Yeah. Is Original that Bela Lugosi? Yeah, Bela Lugosi's okay. Dracula. Yep. Directed by Todd Browning, who is also famous for directing and creating that movie Freaks, which is an amazing. Oh, I hate that movie. movie. I hate that movie. I mean, I l- hate it in the way that it's supposed you're supposed to hate it. It disturbs me. It's a disturbing movie. I love uh-huh. it. It's I think it's fantastic, but um, it isn't certainly everybody's favorite movie. Yeah. Um, and Dracula, you know, it's um, it's incredible in lots of ways. But you look at it again and I got to say it's a little creaky. It's a little stage bound, you know, actually really stage bound. Mm. Um, I don't really feel like Browning was using that, the, the stage, the film craft that he had on freaks on this film. Um, it's a little wobbly and, and Bela Lugosi though is an amazing character and performance. And we've seen so many other kinds of vampires since then. Um, his does seem a little bit quaint to me. I am. Dracula. But I still love it. It's still, a, you know, an incredibly fun movie to watch. And uh, it's, uh, you know, it's fascinating also because the better version of it is a, the Spanish language version. I don't know if you knew that that existed. I don't. Yeah. They actually made a, a Spanish language version shot for shot, exactly the same on the same sound stages with some different actors who spoke Come Spanish on. really, and a different director who used the same script in the same shooting stuff, the you know shooting outline, and did it all in Spanish, and it's a better movie. It's actually better directed. It's um incredible. It's, it's a little bit racier because in Mexico and in Spain they had a, I guess they could you could show a little bit of a sexier time with the vampires. And you might not have known this, but Laurel Hardy also uh, released all of their films in Spanish too. I did not know that they did. They're among the first. They did every one of their shorts in spanish them talking they didn't know what the hell they were saying because they didn't <laughs> speak spanish but they just did it in like phonetically and released Come them on. in mexico oh no, so sure. they didn't like adr them or something they literally no, they like, actually delivered. shot a version in spanish no. with them talking spanish that they, they, they didn't understand they didn't speak spanish that. but they just said the words oh it must be so hilarious it's incredible um i recently saw a clip i had no idea you're gonna pull this movie but right around halloween time on my social media feed someone had posted a clip of Bella Lugosi from Dracula. I believe the character was Renfield. He's like mm-hmm. Mr. Renfield and he walks him up the stairs and he's showing him where he's going to sleep. And it's so funny. Uh, they, they put it, it was like a two minute clip and you know, the close up of, of him and Renfield cuts his finger or something mm-hmm. and he sees the blood and they do the big close up of Bella Lugosi's face. But mm-hmm. you're right. One of the thoughts I had in watching is like, Oh, this is a person who directed Broadway plays. That was just my thought. I don't know that he did, but I, you said uh, stage bound. And that's exactly mm. what I thought. Like there's a wide shot and you see the whole room and they stay there for a very long time. I'm like, yeah, this is like a, a, a stage presentation. Yeah. Looks yeah. Like in a way. Right. Which I, you know, kind of is cool. I don't have a yeah. problem with it. It's an nope. interesting thing, but it used to be kind of a, you know, dirty word to call something kind of a movie kind of stage bound, but um, it's valid. It just feels a little, a little creaky. Like they didn't quite have the shots that they needed. Yeah. Um, well, it's, that's kind of what's fascinating. Also, like they're learning the craft, right? Like last week we talked about artists who were artists in other mediums and there's this new thing film. And now they're talking on these new things, films, like how can I take my art that I've done on a canvas or with a sculpture or book or whatever and 
use this new film medium so they're like they're kind of learning on the job in a way a moment ago i stumbled upon a most amazing phenomenon something so incredible i mistrust my own judgment and that leads us to another movie that couldn't have been possible uh a little bit later which is frankenstein also came out the same year 1931 dracula wow. with bella Lugosi and frankenstein with boris karloff both came out in 31 which is crazy um, it is crazy. Frankenstein to me is even, is even dearer to my heart. Like I love these movies, but this one is one I grew up watching on TV when I was like a little, little kid and loved the character of Frankenstein. I wasn't really scared of him. I was more like on his side and I got that whole part of it, which makes the flower scene with the little girl, Ugh. all the worst. Brutal. Brutal. And to this day, one of the most devastating sequences in a movie, I think it's Brutal. just fantastic. Just the floating, uh, the floating petals. It's brilliant. It's horrible. Brilliant. Yeah. And James Whale directed that and famously also directed The Bride of Frankenstein, which is even more visually amazing. And then they also did The Invisible Man, which mm. is another really cool movie. Um, so that was cool. You know, and Frankenstein was new on the scene in movies, uh, but uh, Thomas Edison actually made the first Frankenstein movie. Uh, wow. I think it was it was a short, silent film. He did almost an experiment, I think. And it's lost. You can't see it. Doesn't exist anymore. No. There are some photographs, I think, of some of the makeup and stuff. But yeah, it was one of the earliest movies ever made was Frankenstein. My goodness. Lost to time. The monster created by a man they called Mad is turned loose to strike terror into the hearts of men. <laughs> to shock women into uncontrolled hysteria. Elizabeth! third and final there's others that i could put on maybe a couple honorable mentions but man dr jekyll and mr hyde starring frederick march and miriam hopkins came out in 31 too also That's so you get three. dracula frankenstein jekyll and hyde and this is one of the classic versions of it frederick march plays both characters of course and he uh there's a lot of really cool makeup effects they use a lot of makeup in it unlike um i think there's others uh Lionel Barrymore didn't use makeup. They just used lighting effects that changed mm. his face. And mm -hmm. this one, they were really using makeup and did transformation effects, which are really old school and, and kind of mm. hokey in moments, but really, really cool what they did. Yes. Best leaping around in a cape ever in a movie. Jekyll and Hyde from 31. Honorable mentions there, Alice in Wonderland. There was a whole Alice in Wonderland movie made in 1931, never even heard of. That's on YouTube. You can see that. Wow. Um, and Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court starring Will Rogers, another fantasy movie. That was about it, fantasy-wise, that year. Um, they played Jekyll and Hyde uh, on the Creature Double Feature show that I've talked about here before on the podcast. And all I remember is seeing Mr. Hyde's face. He he almost looked like a Cro-Magnum man, as I remember. Like Yeah, there's like a, a Neanderthal. Cross, yeah, a cross between a Neanderthal and like jerry lewis i remember but but i was too young to i was so frightened by that like the nutty creature. professor he has yeah, the nutty professor a, teeth thank you thank that's you right um and i just remember being like being i must have literally been seven and and just seeing it and just like turn that off turn that off turn that off when i saw that face uh i've never seen it since come back soon won't you come back Come back. Come back. Come back. 
if you had to pick one, Tony. Frankenstein. My heart belongs to Frankenstein. Dig it. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Thank you again. This is great. I'm going to uh, revisit Jekyll and Hyde now that I'm not a terrified six-year-old. Although internally, aren't we all? Hmm. Caitlin Dever, a newcomer, fresh face actor, stars as an exiled, anxiety-ridden homebody who has to battle an alien, aliens, who found its and their way into her home. This is 2023's Hulu thriller, No One Will Save You. Anthony, I was the complete just hook, line, and sinker fell for it the hulu advertisement upper third banner that when you first turn on hulu this movie was advertised i saw the artwork of a person floating above a house clearly depicting some sort of ufo abduction and i just clicked play i knew nothing else about it i knew nothing else about this actor i've never seen any of her other work although i've looked her up since um she's a like as i said a new a newcomer in a sense um and this is a big role for her caitlin dever and I was very surprised by this movie. Didn't know what to expect. And I'm glad I watched it. I'm not going to say whether I loved it, hated it, or somewhere in between, but I'm glad I watched it, certainly. I have a thing, Tony, and you know this. You have your picadillos when it comes to film. On the positive side of that, it's not a picadillo, really. It's something that I love. Could you watch your language? I'm sorry. Just saying. I'm gonna stop saying that word. I really don't even know what it means. Uh, I think in Spanish, I'm doing a Spanish version of the show. <laughs> I'm just saying words like Laurel and Hardy that I, uh, you've got your opinions uh, on movies and I definitely have mine. And one of the things I've mentioned it here before that I love, even if I end up not liking the movie, I love when directors take big swings. I love when people give me a new thought, a new world, a new attempt, and not the same old things I've seen before. Sometimes they fall short. Sometimes they blow me away, but I always appreciate the ride. I was really surprised by this. The number one thing I was surprised by is the lack of dialogue. I had no idea that I had just watched a movie with zero dialogue in it. And I think that is a huge feat from this director. Didn't, Stunt or incredible achievement or both. I'm not going to say that it's an incredible achievement. There, there are a lot of movies that, ha that are, that are almost equally lean on dialogue that don't get praise and love for that. Um, and um, no dialogue makes your filmmaking a lot easier. Talking is hard to edit. Actors are hard to talk to. When you cut all that out of the equation, I think it's actually somewhat easier. And you're stuck with your storyboard, your pacing, and your music, which is all very controllable in post-production and requires less forethought. I hear that. I agree. I can see how it would be much easier as a filmmaker. Dare I say, though, however, what might not be so easy is watching a movie as long as this one is and not feeling like there's no dialogue. In fact, I had to then rewind scenes where i swore people talked i'm like oh no no she she talked on the bus scene definitely i remember because she yells at the like i uh, i even yeah. invented dialogue in my head I, I there's a scene where she gets attacked on a bus by one of these aliens we'll get into the plot in a second and i thought to myself as i remember like oh no i distinctly remember the alien saying like little girl come at <laughs> like, there's no dialogue it's it's, it's i i agree with you on that i think that I, I I was surprised when I was reminded there's no talking at all in this movie, except for what, like two lines of dialogue or something. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember going, that's not 
true there there was talking like not a lot but i thought and then i went oh my gosh you're right there's no talking that was cool to do it without me noticing right you know yeah. i mean in the movie's favor you have the reality of the fact that you're just spending time with a person alone and so uh you know that's they're not going to talk so you just kind of accept that and it doesn't seem that odd because you're just following this one person who's alone almost the entire time so yes so, Tony, when we first meet Bryn, kind of seems like she makes her living on Pinterest or something, living in her childhood home in the forest, small town. Um, clearly, I think it's pretty obvious she lives alone. M maybe the mother's dead. Um, and she seems to be living in the 50s or something. It's not until she ventures out into town um, where we see, oh, no, she's living in the here and now modern times but then we start to notice uh, the first time we kind of see her have an interaction with someone again no dialogue we see that there's a problem the person doesn't react uh well to her and then there's a scene where she's sitting in a graveyard shortly thereafter which is evidently her mom's grave and kind of rack focused she walks by a group of townspeople and can see her clearly but the group of people who are at a, another gravesite you can't clearly see them but somehow it's conveyed that they aren't happy to see her because she waves and you just see these blurry bodies just kind of turn and stare. And she uncomfortably walks off to show uh, something's wrong with, with her in this town right now. Yeah. I, I, okay. So let me parse to you where I'm coming from. I saw this movie before we agreed to talk about it like two months ago, maybe a month and a half ago. And then we said we'd do this because it's a perfect movie for us to cover, really. And so uh, I thought I'd have more time to revisit it. As it is, I had time to revisit half of it, kind of parse together how I feel. I Like You was, it was catnip. Poster was catnip to me. Yeah. Uh, clicked play the minute I knew what this, anything about this. And um, I knew Katie Diva's work from other stuff. I liked her, but I didn't know she was even in this. Uh, I didn't know who directed this. And I was pretty caught up for a while. I, 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 I let slide a couple of things that I, I kind of went, uh, I don't know how I feel. I'll, I'll let you know when the movie's over kind of thing. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. all I can say is by the time the movie got over, the things that bothered me in the beginning bothered me eight times as much, but in revisiting it, the stuff that works in that first half hour, I think really work great and are cool. So I'm a very mixed bag on this. There's some stuff I really respect. And then there's some stuff I felt really was overdone. And I got to say things like that, because they chose this no dialogue route became almost too obvious to me, hmm. too pointed. So I, I didn't feel there was a subtlety to that, that I, that I would have really enjoyed vis-a-vis -vis how subtle everything should have been because it was no talking. It was just quiet observation. So some of the storytelling stood out like a red light, just like, oh, look at this. This is, you know, and I felt it was a little, uh, little ham handed. That is totally fair. Um, well, let me back up a little bit and stay in that first 20 minutes. The reason she goes into town. Well, okay, let's just get to the spoiler alerts now. This is a new movie, so we're going to spill some tea here. Because this becomes such a huge part of what this whole movie's about, and it's going to tie into us talking about the alien, I can't not say what I'm about to say. So pause if you don't want to hear this, and go watch the movie. If you don't care, here we go. Three and a two and a one. Here I go. She kills the alien. And in a pretty brutal way, 
She's obviously very scared, but she does a heck of a job of of hiding and fighting back. And when she kills this alien, she kills it, and it's pretty dramatic. It's One a of big the, surprise, yeah, it is, yeah. yeah. And and the whole way it's handled, then I thought was really unique. So many of these alien invasion movies are so nebulous about how they show, how they choose to show the alien. This movie makes it very clear, very early. You're going to see these aliens, and you're going to see them a lot. And people are going to interact with these aliens and we're not going to try and hide it and and keep it mysterious. Um, and just kind of like the corpse alien body laying in her, you know, her front hallway wrapped in some sort of blanket, I thought was really cool. Um, it was, it, it had me captured in the first 20 minutes, man. I was in. That was, yeah, that was, uh, you know, I think all through that period and then and through her leaving the house to go get help or go, you know, her motivations were a little unclear but look I, I think that's kind of where i have a little bit of an issue with the movie overall to get into other spoilers this movie is about two things this is about a woman who's encountering aliens and getting abducted from her house and also about a woman who's done something in the past and has something that she's either vilif being vilified for or did wrong that she shouldn't have done we don't know in in town and that is a really weird story. That that story is really really strange. It's an to me it's an odd story to place against the further strangeness of alien abduction. I don't know how these things come together. And maybe you can help me because I was I was confused by this movie in a way that I don't like to be. And um I there I and and that's coming from somebody who loves to not know what the fuck is going on in a movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love yeah. that. I love being mystified. I love mystery. I love not knowing. But I felt that the filmmakers were consciously just not telling me things that they could tell me and just not saying stuff to for dramatic effect. But I, and I just felt that was manipulation for I had no reason. I didn't know why. Um, do you f agree with that? I share in that frustration. And then so when it is revealed what she did, I felt it was a little overwrought um and a little uh biblical <laughs> the, the actual okay, act yeah. she committed um and i felt like i didn't need to know what she did actually it wasn't a revelation it. that meant anything to me yeah it didn't, no the, you that, know it was yeah, like the, the mystery was revealed but it revealed something that was like uh to me that was like oh okay it didn't really exactly. answer any questions I had, though. It just explained the facts, but I didn't understand really why the facts mattered here. And that's movie. that's that's it for me. Like, it, I don't know why it matters, because what we know is she's being attacked by aliens. And what we know is that she feels really bad for something in her past. And what we also know is that the town like hates her for this thing. Yeah. And I think unless you're really going to explore that, uh, that's all I need to know, because then when it's revealed what she did and it is kind of awful as much as it was a mistake, I think, um, I don't think she, there, there was a malice to plan this thing well, that happened. And I think that's the gift is they show her that she thinks it was intentional and sh they show her that she, in fact, it was an unintentional thing on her part. From my perspective, that act, I didn't want to know cause I figured it was something like that. And uh, I don't know what that tells me further about her or the relationship with the town or, or her trying to survive these aliens other than the fact that it was like a very dramatic 
scene, melodramatic scene, the worst thing that Look, someone could do type of thing. And I'm like, here, here's the thing. Man. I like it better that I don't know if, if, if she's being properly blamed by this town. All I know is that she's the character trying to fight through this. And that's all I really need to know. Cause it's her perspective, right? This is like a big epic war movie that, that chooses to make the love story in the middle of it more important than, yeah. than the war. Yeah. That's right. raging right, right, around it. Right, right, right. Like yeah. I, I, you yeah. introduced something that that Trump that Trump's her, her background, her backstory. It didn't, it didn't connect enough thematically for me to really go, oh, oh, ah, oh, I right. get it. Oh, right. interesting. It just was like, oh, okay. Well, that's what they didn't tell me in the beginning. If you're gonna string me along that far with mystery, uh, she did something terrible and she feels bad about <laughs> it, and then to the point where the mother involved in this spits in her face in Act yeah. One. Then when you do reveal it to me that late and it's that I just kind of felt like oh, I would have been so much better if I didn't know. I, I think, yeah. Or just knew and watch or just knew. Yeah. Yeah. You're not revealing. To, you some, know, uh, right. Yeah. When, it's not, yeah, it doesn't right. make something mysterious to just withhold information. It, it, right. It, you know, which is why the then only... don't show it to me. Then if you're going to wait yeah. that long, don't show it to me. Yeah. Cause I'd rather have my imagination. Why did that mother spit in her face? Well, an audience has two choices. They can watch a character go through and this is a lot of time watching this very good young actor right she's great alone in her house and living her life a little bit in the beginning in this movie she's endearing and it's it's charming i, I didn't really love how it was i thought it was a little twee a little bit derivative of other things i'd seen but regardless she was really good and if i had known that this is how this woman is living because i saw it in an article on the wall about her friend, she killed this person and the town hates her. I would sit there being, then be, get to be fascinated by this performance, by this character, knowing what I know about her and how she's living her life and going, wow, this is how she's handling this tragedy. How interesting. It doesn't mean it's not mysterious. It just means that you know something and get to actually understand it while the actor's doing it. In this case, you there's it's a movie that's designed to make you have to go back just to see Mm -hmm. uh, her behavior, everything she does is a complete, we're not going to tell you why nothing's told. Mm -hmm. why. So I just get to watch kind of mystified by what she's doing rather than informed. And that's not what makes something mysterious or complicated or deeper esoteric to me. That's not, uh, you know, information, knowing information or not, it's not, they didn't, they didn't sustain that mystery for the, for the aliens. But I get, but I can't know anything about this woman's basic life in this small town. Yeah, like that's a mystery. That's yeah. fascinating. But the aliens are like, right? Sorry, aliens are abducting you. That's the story. That's what I'm interested yeah. in. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I, yeah, 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 yeah. I like that tension of her having a past and something's haunting her, mm -hmm. and you can work through that. But, but yeah, the, some of the reactions. So when, like when she goes into town and she's getting those reactions at first, it was fairly subtle, like the kind of rack focus scene I'm talking about. And then she goes into town and bumps into people and it becomes not so subtle. Um, again, the mother spits in her face. I think the father does a really nice piece of acting in that moment, but there are other exchanges that become almost, uh, you we mentioned, it's funny. We mentioned the word stage bound, People are making these big faces at her, like, <laughs> right? You know what I mean? It's like yeah. overwrought, you know, just like over pronounced faces. Um, I think it would have been better served again if, like you said, if you are going to go not, no dialogue, which I do think they did very well. I will say that. Um, I think 
a sly look here and there would have had much mm. more impact. There was a I lot think, of big expressions. I think retitling the movie The Abductions of Blanche Dubois would have probably been <laughs> a better way to go. Yeah, there's a there's a little bit of that. Um, she does. Uh, you know, my favorite scene in the movie, perhaps, is right after. She gets, and I, I want because I'm like you. This is a very mixed bag for me, very mixed. Um, but there's one really nice moment um, of acting, a great piece of acting by this actor. She gets her face spit on, and then she just has to run out into the street. She's clearly upset. The whole town's shunning her, and this woman spits in her face, and she's kind of shaking her hands like she's trying to shake it off, and she's unchaining her bike, and she can't even do that. She's She's so overcome with emotion from that moment. And she then goes up against a wall and is like heaving with, and you now you know, this is grief. This is like trauma and grief. And then she turns to camera and like gasps for air, like a fish out of water, which is an excellent analogy of what she's going through in a way in that town. And I just thought like that sequence was really outstanding in, in some work that maybe was a little mixed. I actually remember that sequence no, talking about it. And that's not one I saw again. I mean, I saw oh, that the first time two yeah. months ago. It's and it's a beautiful piece of acting, man. It really is. I I'm I really am taken with her. I think she's a really good actor. I think I, I, I my personal taste would have been slightly more realism around her her actual life in that town to 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 balance against the supernatural stuff. To me, it blended so much that I didn't quite get that that feeling of her encountering the unknown it just felt like she it could have been a home invasion movie with without any aliens and her reactions kind of would have been the same yeah uh, and and i really feel like if you're encountering encountering something that mysterious there'd be this other element that you'd enter into a slightly different universe than you're in it doesn't seem like a different one than she's in when it starts it seems like she's in a fantasy dollhouse world anyway and then so I think it's all interesting. I think they thought about this. This this guy, I think it's his first feature that he directed. He wrote a movie I was really taken with called Love and Monsters, which is a really, really fun movie. I okay. thought I loved it. Never saw it. Okay. Real, real pop, um, you know, um, kind of a teen comedy about hmm. the apocalypse. And it's really good. <laughs> you know, but so I I respect him. I like what this this is trying to do, I think, but I I, I don't know, I don't know that I got uh, what the intent what they intended me to get out of it and and um and i think it's also just safe to say that i liked enough about it to be annoyed that i didn't like the rest well said that's just what i want to say so one of my big problems with this movie was my frustration because i was enjoying aspects of it but one of my big problems was what you just referred to and that is an alien's landed in her house and she's killed it with a object she then like dresses up to go into town and can't quite say hey everyone there's an alien because she has this past trauma so she has to enter the town a little differently i'm sorry i don't care what you did if you just killed a alien in your house like a straight up alien there's no mistaking this for anything else but another creature from another world you would go into that town i don't care if you killed 60 people with an axe you'd be like there's a alien someone help me god please and i think the filmmakers use the device of well she's got this past so she has to tiptoe into the like no i'm sorry that's a huge problem for me you don't you don't saunter into the police station uh on eggshells 
dressed up nice because you had this thing in your past. You're a kid because there's a dead alien in your yeah. in your house. That's a huge problem I, for me. I felt similarly. And and I think we're talking about the same kind of thing about the movie that we're like, oh, there was a texture of reality that I could. It was not. OK, here's one. And this is when Amelia drove Amelia crazy. Like um, uh, she has a terrible uh, uh, foot trauma, ankle trauma in the beginning of the movie in this fight scene. And there we get a close up of it. There's Thank a you. gas. She's bleeding. It looks like she broke her ankle. It's never, never referred to again. And there's when you start seeing things like that pile up in the movie, and there are a few things like that. She that also steps not, on glass and yeah. runs into the town later. Yeah. Uh, you start losing faith in the in something in the movie that you're actually seeing something that's that thought through, or the, where the details matter that much to people. I don't. I don't know. Um, I had the same thing where like. Um, anybody that, that, okay, that you killed the alien, it's daytime now, seems to be quiet. The first thing you do is put on pants and shoes. Like, I feel like the fact that she kept in her nightgown, I'm yeah. just like, really? Like, yeah. wouldn't you want to protect yourself more than that? Wouldn't you, even if it took a second to put on a pair of jeans, like, wouldn't you just, and so it, it then it ends up being like, well, now this actress has to embody these kind of crazy neuroses this mm. woman's a little crazy she's unbalanced she's mm. had this trauma so now she just gets to do irrational things but they make they make the actor justify them emotionally which is i think unfair it's too much work for her to do i wanted to like this more than i did i, I really wanted to and in all fairness the first entrance into the house that first night of the invasion when they come in it's scary. I mean, I was really hooked on it. I thought it was really well done. It was a great albeit too series. dark to see. Uh, there, one yeah, of those was Netflix some... movies where they're just like, let's throw the LUD on it where you can't see anything. That gets worse. That gets worse as the movie gets into the kind of her experiences with the aliens, some of the hallucinogenic things she's going through with them. They're showing her worlds uh, of her past, things like that. Um, then it gets, it, there's things that happen in the woods. <laughs> You can't see, like you're right, total Netflix thing, old man Blake, fine, old man Arkin, but you can't freaking see or hear these movies anymore. I know, there's not, oh, they, yeah, they just throw these these lets on them at the end of the process oh. to make it look like, you know, it's like an instant fix to make it look cinematic or cool, but it ends up making all the night scenes almost impossible to see, and it drives yeah. me kind of crazy. Stuff isn't lit for that anymore anyway, but, um, right, right. you know, uh, okay, so... Look, I uh, we've covered a lot of these things. Mm -hmm. I have to say that there's this this poked the bear a little bit in terms of like there's a difference between homage and stealing, and stealing and they're both okay. Like you can do them, but I can see it when you're just going to steal this thing from annihilation, and then you're going to steal this thing from hereditary, and then you're going to steal this thing from last night in Soho, and then you're going to steal this from Close Encounters of Third Kind and Under the Skin. And three other movies I could mention, and You're film it in, and film it in the science house. Y yes, exactly. <laughs> I, I there are there's a point where I'm just like, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Come on, come on, put a yeah. put a spin on some of these things. Yeah, but it was yeah. really like design, alien design stuff seemed very copped to me. Um, the sound effects, though, really well done. Like everything's well done, but they just sounded creatively like they'd been copped from other sources somehow and um so it gets a little point off for lack of originality even as original as this construction of it is right 
Um, I, I can't say that I also even feel like I line up with the, the philosophy on the alien thing either. I just found that to be a little haphazard and yeah, their, their motivations is confusing to the aliens. Um, they're fascinated by her because, um, she kills one of them. And so they're clearly after her and they're controlling people in the town via this gruesome method. Um, and so they're after her. There is a cool scene early on in the bus I mentioned before where she's chased or she runs away from the bus. And that was kind of fun and neat and very, uh, that was M. Night Shyamalanian, that whole scene and sequence. Language. Sorry, language. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Speaking Spanish again. <laughs> um, and then they seem to kind of study her almost like, a, a, wow, this this human creature has something in her past. Let's look into this. And then apparently they make the decision to help her with this trauma and heal her, which kind of harkens back to communion in a way. There was, there was some communion-esque elements to that, um, dealing with the alien in your own psyche. And she forgives herself. And I think the only line of dialogue in the film is her asking for forgiveness from the friend that she had this uh, issue with. I say this all to to highlight the fact that at a certain point after kind of the second pseudo hallucinogenic scene between her and the aliens, I kind of just didn't care at that point. I found it well, muddled. Look, I have a question for you. Yeah. So it seems to me that the aliens were responsible for the event that caused this, this dark thing that happened to her in the first place, right? Because in the memory, it seems like she's going under an abduction scenario as a younger person and then runs out of the house and this thing happens, which is that's where I'm that's where I do get really interested because there's, you know, the abduction stories are people usually say they've had it since childhood and it rehappens again and again. That's never been done in a movie before. And they bring it up at the very end. And I felt like, oh, wow, there's something that we could have used actually earlier on but it's just in service of healing her karma from this thing and i'm mm -hmm. like what movie is that what here mm -hmm. what 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 what's it my business that she mm -hmm. gets forgiven by herself i don't yeah know. no no because so in in the end it's funny i imagine for myself and i alluded to this at the beginning of the podcast uh and here we'll talk openly about the ending it ends with her in a kind of utopia of the town where she's almost living a, a dreamscape where everyone likes her and smiles at her and she's dancing this, this dance. She was dancing alone, but now with the town and with the boy she's interested in, but they're all controlled by the alien, which is quite clear, the aliens. And I thought that the aliens <laughs> were uh, creating your own reality. So in other words, that she was being controlled too, like everyone else, but this is, they're making her see this fantasist reality so that she would do their bidding like and so everybody else in the movie has their own fantasy but they're actually doing the aliens bidding when i was like oh that's a great ending and then i read what he actually meant it to be and i was like oh i don't like that as much as my ending. <laughs> does that make sense i've you know i like, I, I liked mine better i've been less confused by you know tarkovsky <laughs> movies I, i'm honestly i, I don't at what point is it my fault that I'm not getting this? I don't know. Right, right. Is, no, I agree. I, 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 you know, it's it just it's disappointing because I the, the there's a lot of artistry in it. It's 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 nicely shot and edited, and they cared about it. Clearly, you know, clearly they they really cared about this movie, and I just wanted to I wanted it to be amazing for me. 
let's say that uh, my last word on it is that it has too much exploding furniture. I usually reserve that problem for demon movies where I'm like, suddenly now every possession movie is about like people getting flown and dragged and exploding. Like it's like world wrestling Federation stuff. And now we get it in an alien alien visitation movie. It, it, I was sick of it. Like it, the and, next and, person I see fly through a door jam and get up seriously. again, I'm like, I'm seriously. done. I'm out. Yes. A lot of exploding furniture. Uh, and and I felt like even scenes that may have been original, I felt like a lot of them, uh, for example, they the weren't she, right. <laughs> which brings us to our top three, top three alien kills. Mm -hmm. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, it's just they. I don't know. I think I think what it is is that it's confusing because uh, it's a really really talented lead actor who took took the role seriously. Um, the filmmakers are taking it serious. It's well shot. It's considered. It's well storyboarded. Um, and, um, really what it is, is just kind of like a pop grab at a bunch of different cool sci-fi ideas. And well said, yeah. it doesn't, it, it's actually promoting a much more somber, serious minded movie. I think than really it may be, it, it, it I think it's supposed to be more fun than this. And yes. I, I just think it gets bogged down in a lot of like psychodrama heaviness that it, it didn't it, need. It tried to take on some melodrama that it didn't need and some deep psychological issues that it didn't need. And the fact that the aliens are the ones kind of counseling her through that is an interesting idea. But again, communion, things like that really went there. And this kind of doesn't want to really go there. Well, it's hard uh, when you're giving end. so much time to like, you know, the thrills and chills and the whole horror opening. And then you're expected to, in 40 minutes, cram in all this yeah. other real feeling right. considered drama and stuff. It's like, and it's not going to be Tennessee Williams at that point. Right. Uh, again, shout out to her performance, though, because I was completely fooled. Like I said, I think that is a neat trick they pulled. Like it did not. All this being said, it didn't feel like a dialogue less movie, which I think it needs to it's props for that's an incredible accomplishment because I've seen movies yeah. with more dialogue that I was like, was that a silent movie? I just watched. Cause that it's sucked proof that she's an engaging actor yes. and somebody who's really doing uh, yes. her job well. Yes. And, and I, I could quibble some of the ways that she was directed and some of the things she was asked to do, but that's not her fault. Um, right. She's, she's really great. Tony in the end, at the end of the day, any final thoughts before we put it on the shelf or not? No, I don't know. I've said too much about it already. I feel bad because I don't. I, people like this movie to a degree, and I don't want to. I don't want to be negative because it may yeah. just not be my kind of movie. But whatever, I didn't like it. It's not going on the shelf. Got it. I agree. There's a lot about it I like. As I said at the beginning, I love when directors take big swings. This was a big swing. Some of it really worked for me. It really did. I don't want this to come off like I'm I'm completely trashing it because I'm not. I think it is worth a watch, especially on Hulu. If you have Hulu, it's right there. It's an engaging character. There's a lot to like here, but just not strong enough for me to put it on the shelf either. So it's a, it's a hesitant P for pass. Okay. Let's get into alien kills. Hey, now that we killed that one, <laughs> Tony, uh, top three alien kills. There's a good couple ones in this movie. No one will save you. Um, but we're going to look at some of our favorite alien kills. Uh, I think I started last week. So why don't you start with number three? Okay, my number three, and my list is, uh, so I'm using kills in a different way. This isn't like, ooh, yeah, cool, except, you know, great. This is, these are kills that really hurt, oh, that really hurt. I love it. So top three for me, number three would be from Alien Resurrection, which is Alien 4, and it's that baby alien getting sucked out of the spaceship. It's tough one. That's one of the, that's one of the uh more wretched things i've ever had to watch and it, it's it's really painful goes on forever and it's it's actually 
it's brilliant. It's kind of a brilliant thing. That'll stay with you. Mm-hmm. And clearly it did. Uh, my number three comes from one of my favorite movies of all time, featuring one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, Rowdy Roddy Piper in They Live. He only kills a couple of aliens with a shotgun, which, although there's a great headshot in the back shotgun, but it includes the line, I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Anytime a professional wrestler delivers a line like that in a film, it's going on my top three list. Um, I'm right with you. It was hard not to put this that one on here too. <laughs> uh, you're number two. Number two for me, it is Flamethrower in the Snow from John Carpenter's The Thing. I was going to pick it as my number one. The only reason I did it is because I knew it would be on your list. And I want to give it to you. Just, oh, great. You changed my life with that recommendation. I had never seen the original thing. The rest of the movie definitely has elements. You go like, okay, that's very 1950s. That killing of that alien mm-hmm. is, is, oh, is... It's great. I'm actually talking about the John Carpenter one. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were with the original one. They no, I mean, the, they're, both, is, they're both great. Yeah, yeah, they I love really them both. are. Okay. But that, that ring of guys watching that alien die and burn to death in Amen. the snow burned in my mind forever. Incredible. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Then then I'm going to right now put the original thing on my honorable mention. Perfect. <laughs> that, that was incredible. Uh, my number two is, oh, I hated to do it to you, but I haven't really put this on a top list. I don't think as much as I talk about them. Um, Predator, Arnold Schwarzenegger, the self-destruct, killing the alien kills itself in this haunting moment. And Schwarzenegger, nice little piece of acting when he realizes what the alien is doing. The alien starts programming something into its arm. Oh, you mean when he moves his eyes around in his How head? dare you? How dare you? Remember we said no dialogue is good sometimes? This is the time for you to put that into practice. <laughs> and he realizes the alien's doing, and then you hear his friend laugh. Ah, 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 Love it. Great alien I'm kill. Great stuff. Even Not though gonna... it's self Self-inflicted. Not going to get an argument from me. Uh, my number one, then, it's actually kind of the same thing as number two, but I, I got to give it to Under the Skin. That movie's incredible. Saw that in the theater in New York City. Uh, blew me away. It's a particularly disturbing, sad, painful movies because yeah. she's not, you think she's the invader and she turns out not really to be the, the problem. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, and those sackless skins of men's bodies is so difficult to watch. That does it. That's traumatizing. It that is. Um, my number one was a recent movie, although I wasn't like super crazy about it. When I saw it, I loved that they, and I kind of saw it coming in some way, but I didn't see quite the way they were going to do it. And that's a quiet place. The daughter using sound. I just loved that whole thing. I was like, I knew they're going to use it somehow, but the way they pulled it off. And her and her dad kind of discovering this um, was really kind of special. I I, yeah. I really enjoyed that. And I hate those creatures so much. I like to watch them blow up. Yeah, that's a great scene. I also love the yellow legal pad that has written on it. How do we destroy the monsters? Question mark. It was a work in progress, Tony. Don't be a cynic. <laughs> you would have written the exact same thing. <laughs> Not in the script, though. You'd have been like, how do I get Maddie to stop mentioning Sly Stallone? <laughs> now, if anyone saw that, they'd think that's just. That's too obvious. Too no obvious. One no one ever write that. But but I do write it. I write it in like I carve it into my desk while we're doing the show. Like all work and no play makes yeah. Tony a dull boy. How do I get Maddie to stop mentioning <laughs> Sly Stallone? 
Um, all right, so that's a great list. Any honorable mentions? No, that was it. These that's all I had time for. Um, I got the uh, signs. I didn't put it on the list because I've mentioned that movie too many times, too obvious. But you know, Swing Away Merrill is just fantastic. Um, nope, the big flying creature in the sky, the way that thing reveals itself as it's maybe dying, uh, was I just thought really a stunning image, even though the movie wasn't the best in the world. Um, Tony, uh, next week we need a movie, another new thriller paranormal theme called talk to me. I can't wait to talk to you about this movie. Just watch your mouth. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of rated P for paranormal. Please rate review and share. It really does make a difference on social media. We're at rated paranormal. All music is by Andrew Goldens jr. You can find him on Instagram at kid Riga or go to the rocket This podcast was created, written, produced, and edited by Maddie Blake and Anthony Arkin. If we were a credibly run podcast, still vaguely uncomfortable about this. You whole should conversation. be.